Hey, hey, it's your girl KV, and I'd like to welcome you back to the Hood Health Report. Make sure you follow the show pages, Hood Health Report on Instagram and on Facebook, and Hood Health Pod on Twitter. On this week's episode, Help Not Hurt, we're going to get into some cases of either doctors or first responders, people whose literal job it is to help people and keep people alive are doing the exact opposite. So let's get started. So first up in the news, we got Kaiser Health News reports UVA will cut back on lawsuits against patients in wake of investigation. UVA Health Systems, which sues thousands of patients each year, seizing wages and home equity to collect on overdue medical bills, said it would increase financial assistance, give bigger discounts to the uninsured, and reduce their reliance on legal system. The changes will positively drastically reduce the legal process of lawsuits, garnishments, and property liens. They've called the new policy a first step that could later include financial assistance. UVA also plans to ask the Virginia General Assembly to change a state law requiring state agencies, including health systems, to aggressively collect unpaid bills and charge 6% interest on the balance. So according to this article, the UVA weren't really enticed to do anything until they started this investigation against them. But even with the new policy, it still leaves numerous patients exposed to lawsuits and crippling bills. Kaiser Health News found that UVA sued patients more than 36,000 times over six years for more than $106 million, sending many families into bankruptcy. And it routinely billed uninsured patients for far more than what a typical insurance company would have paid. The amended policy loosens qualifications for financial assistance, awarding aid to families with income of up to 400% of the federal poverty level, or $103,000 for a family of four. Until now, families making more than half that much were ineligible for assistance. Except in unusual circumstances, UVA won't sue patients unless balances are more than $1,000 and families make more than 400% of the poverty guidelines. The changes take effect in January, but a UVA statement said that Health System is committed to working with anyone who currently has an outstanding balance or debt that they are struggling to pay. And then later down in the article, they mentioned that Methodist Labonner Healthcare in Memphis Another on a growing list of hospitals called out for aggressive collections said it would suspend all court activity for a month. Which brings us to our next article. Methodist Labonner erases debts of more than 6,500 patients that it sued. The city's largest nonprofit hospital system has erased the debts owed by more than 6,500 patients it sued for unpaid hospital bills less than two months after announcing an overhaul of its debt collection processes. The dramatic shift was prompted by an MLK 50 ProPublica investigation that revealed that Methodist Labonner Healthcare filed more than 8,300 debt lawsuits from 2014 through 2018, including against its own employees. 
Methodists had doggedly pursued low-income defendants who had little ability to pay, often garnishing their meager paychecks. So the article um, goes on to say that they have since adapted new policies and under that new policy, financial assistance will be provided to patients earning up to 250% of the federal poverty line or $5,300 for a family of three. The previous policy applied to uninsured patients with incomes up to 125% of the federal poverty line. Methodists said more than half of the population of Greater Memphis would be eligible for assistance under the new policy. Hmm, so yeah, I mean, hooray for them doing things that would make it a lot easier for the uninsured to get health care. But how disgusting of them to sue these people and garnish their homes, their wages for medical bills when in a lot of these times they are overcharging these patients because they can, because there is no insurance that caps off and pays these things per, per service. They're taking advantage of the impoverished community and it's a goddamn shame. There shouldn't even be um, a system in place that allows you to go into debt for medical care like so many other countries have that shit figured out perfectly. Well, I won't say perfectly, but in comparison to this, it seems damn near perfect that it's ridiculous that we just can't adapt another system, change what we have and just start anew. But that is too much like right. Me and another co-worker was working, a group of people together. I went to break for 15, 20 minutes. The machine went off. I just heard something. And I looked over there. When I looked at it, it looked like some blue gob or something jumped in there too. I thought it was half. Patient care tag described it looked like a black hairball and it went in through the line and the patient, Garland Kelly, said, what did you give me? And immediately it went into cardiac arrest. It's like he wasn't breathing. He went to the hospital. He passed away. License to kill with Dr. Terry DeBro. New Sundays at 7 on Oxygen. This next article is about a Texas nurse who was convicted in bleach deaths case. A former Texas nurse accused of killing five of her patients and injuring five others by injecting bleach into their kidney dialysis tubing was found guilty of capital murder. Back in April 2008, she was fired after a rash of illnesses and deaths at the dialysis clinic that she worked at. She was charged a year later. Defense lawyers argued that she was being targeted by the clinic's owners for faulty procedures at the facility, including improper water purification. They also claimed that the evidence was fabricated against her. However, prosecutors described that these claims that she was being set up were absolutely ridiculous. Two of the patients during the April 2008 incidences testified that they saw her use syringes to draw bleach from a cleaning bucket and then injected into the IV lines of two patients who subsequently died. So years and years later, eventually she was charged with one capital murder count, accusing her of killing as many as five patients and with five counts of aggravated assault for the injuries to the five other patients. 
Investigators testified that they found internet searches on her computer about bleach poisoning in blood and whether bleach could be detected in dialysis lines. So as you can hear from the dates, this is um, a much older article. It's not current per se. However, what has this popping up on everybody's radar lately is that Oxygen is making like a true crime series. And this is one of the cases that is included on the show. And so, of course, they have the more salacious news, the, the mess, the juice. So, you know, in addition to all of the things previously mentioned, Oxygen Crime News reports that in fall 2007, she began working as a licensed vocational nurse at the dialysis center. But previously, she had been fired from several other former healthcare jobs one of which where she was accused of stealing drugs and faking a urine test. So although she was married with two young children, her husband filed for divorce and obtained a protective order against her. That same year, she was arrested for public intoxication and criminal trespassing after a domestic disturbance with her husband, although they would later reconcile. She also suffered from depression and by early 2008 had begun taking medications for it. So all of that was leading up to the time in 2008 where she bleached these dialysis tubes and, and they saw an uptick in patients getting ill and going into cardiac arrest during their treatments. EMS was called to the facility 30 times in April. In the prior 15 months, they had only been called twice. Many of the cardiac arrest events ended in death. So prior to the deaths, an official at the local fire department sent an anonymous letter to the Texas State Health Inspectors asking them to look into the incidents. It reads, In the last two weeks, we have transported 16 patients. This seems a little abnormal and disturbing to my med crews. Could these calls be investigated by you? Obviously, they didn't do shit. Um, whether they had the time to do it or whether they just didn't pay it any mind. Because it seems like, you know, the lady was on a roll. So so she wasn't sentenced until 2012, where she was spared the death penalty and sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. And 20 years for each count of the aggravated assault. Multiple appeals to her sentence have been denied. Whew, so I decided to include the, the extra news from the Oxygen article simply because it shows a trail of signs where maybe this person shouldn't be in charge of others' lives. For instance, if she had already been fired from other health centers because she had been doing unsavory things with the patients, with the medications, or with whatever, why would she be trusted then to perform such a task for such a vulnerable population? I personally think that this dialysis clinic should also be held responsible. They should have to pay some fines, get in trouble with some malpractice, something, because to let such a record slide and you just hire this person, like, did you call any of the references? Did you require references? For her to go on for however long without throughout the month of bleaching these patients' dialysis tubes and 
people see this pattern of her being erratic or if they change her duty, how she acts out and she doesn't want her duty changed. That should have been indication right there that, hey, maybe we shouldn't let her be on the job. Maybe that's an indication that she's the one doing it. But no, nope, they just continue on and let her do it so much so that the patients begins to report it. So how negligent of a staff of supervisors do you have to be for the patients to be the ones to finally report what's going on when you know that your patients are ending up sick and going into cardiac arrest and dying all of a sudden. So do better. In a nutshell, do better. Their mothers choose donor sperm. The doctor used their own. So this article is basically laying out the recent discovery of how these IVF doctors and fertility specialists have been recently called out and taken to court for using their own sperm when they should have been using donor sperms for these IVF um, cases. With the advent of widespread consumer DNA testing, instances in which fertility specialists decades ago secretly used their own sperm for artificial insemination have begun to surface with some regularity. Three states have now passed laws criminalizing this conduct, including Texas, which now defines it as a form of sexual assault. So this is referred to as fertility fraud and one extravagant case is a fertility specialist in Indianapolis. Based on DNA testing, he fathered 61 people and he pleaded guilty to two felony obstruction of justice charges and admitted that he had lied to state investigators. He surrendered his medical license and was given a one-year suspended sentence. Prosecutors said they were not able to press for a tougher sentence for a simple reason. In Indiana, as in most states, there were no laws prohibiting this conduct. In May, Indiana passed a law that makes using the wrong sperm a felony and gives victims the right to sue doctors for it. Patients may sidestep the statute of limitations in these cases, bringing legal action up to five years after the fraud is discovered rather than after it took place. Cases of so-called fertility fraud have prompted other states to enact similar laws that allow patients and children to pursue legal remedies from so-called doctor daddies. Texas passed its own fertility fraud law and it goes further than those in Indiana and California. In a healthcare provider, if a healthcare provider uses human sperm, eggs, or embryos from an unauthorized donor, the law identifies the crime as a sexual assault. Those found guilty must register as sex offenders. So some experts believe that this measure is extreme and that sexual assault is too far because what happens in the case where it's just genuinely a mistake where they mix up the sperm. And you know, it just gives room basically for doctors to use excuses because one of the previous excuses of someone who purposely was using his own sperm was that he used his sperm to calibrate the equipment. So, you know, maybe he didn't sterilize it enough afterwards and there were still remnants of his semen when, you know, he just went around purposely inseminating these women with his sperm. So, you know, it might be a little extreme, but I feel like 
that's the cost that you have to pay if you're in that field and if you're a male you need to make sure that you take extra precaution make sure your medical malpractice is paid up make sure that you're extremely careful and you don't jizz around the room to mix up any sperm you know i just can't see how it could be so hard to not use your sperm to impregnate some eggs from your patients you know i just i don't see that being a terribly difficult feat now let's just talk about how sick and narcissistic it is of someone to use their own sperm to impregnate these women that are having fertility issues or their husbands are having fertility issues or that just choose to go the route of having donor sperm you know to say that they're going to bypass whatever your choice is and use their own sperm that they want to keep their their bloodline alive and think that they're just that great that you would rather their sperm than some random sperm is just ridiculously narcissistic and they need to be locked up for it i'm so ready for every state to get these laws in place so that we can start sending these folks to jail because they did this with malintent there's no way to have mistakenly done these things so send they ass to jail it's people in jail for way longer for way less so they ass definitely need to be in a jail they do not need to be eligible to get their license back to practice medicine two three years later no license revoked forever no more doctor and send they ass to jail period So this next article is titled, Doctors and Cops Among 277 Arrested in Human Trafficking, Online Prostitution Sting in Florida. Operation No Tricks, No Treats was a week-long undercover sting targeting human trafficking and online prostitution. During that time, undercover detectives posted fake ads or profiles online posing as prostitutes or someone who solicits prostitutes. Other detectives responded to profiles and ads posted by prostitutes. So among these 270-something people, it was doctors, pharmacists, former and current law enforcement, as well as lawyers. The sheriff's office even caught one of their own, who later resigned from the force after 17 years on duty. We were absolutely embarrassed. We hold our own accountable. He messed up and no longer works for the sheriff's office. So for so many people to get caught and a lot of these people to be such supposedly influential in people in the community, it's just, you know, makes you wonder how long they've been doing this. How many people are affected? How many people turned their nose around? How many people just turned around and didn't pay it any attention? Well, NBC made sure that, at least in Polk County, Florida, this will no longer happen because they have listed every single name of the people who were busted in the prostitution ring. From the officers, the lawyers, if there were any previous sex offenders, all of their information and what city birthday it is right here because you know once you're registered as a sex offender that's just public knowledge for people to pick up wherever need be so while on the topic of people abusing their power over others sifting through dozens of cases of police officers forcibly raping women that they've arrested or 
raping rape victims just because you know just because they know that they can i saw this article about the virginia behavioral technician who is guilty of raping and impregnating two clients with mental disabilities a man whose job was to help adults with disabilities has pleaded guilty to raping two clients in fairfax county virginia leading to pregnancies for both women in one case the woman was unable to say who assaulted her in the second case, the woman identified him as the attacker. Prosecutors said that when confronted with evidence, he claimed that the women came on to him. But attorneys said that both women had the intellectual ability of children and neither had been taught about sex. DNA tests conducted on the second victim's baby shows a 99% chance that he is the father. So this one was the story that was in the news about the woman who is basically in a coma or unconscious for a year or two and she had became pregnant they realized that she was pregnant so they knew that someone within the facility had raped her but since she wasn't able to identify the attacker they just didn't go through with testing the people because they would have had to test the people in the facility and any guests that she had, whoever may have come in contact with her. And that was just too much work for them. So they just bypassed it. But they knew that she was a Korean woman and that she gave birth to a biracial baby. So I feel like from there alone, hey, but they didn't. And then the second woman who was affected was actually able to identify the attacker. So once she gave birth and they tested the baby, the baby was indeed a match so he was fired from his job of course and you know again just like with the police rape and the lady that was putting the bleach in the tubes and the doctor who was using his own sperm for the donors like why get into such a profession to be malicious and to take advantage of people you know i know that everything can't be caught but what are these supervisors doing for such things to go you know unscathed for so long it's just really a shame and it makes you lose faith in humanity sometimes right if you can't leave your loved ones that are intellectually disabled you can't even leave them in the facility and expect them to be okay when things like this are happening so like dr henry said you better make sure you stay prayed up That's Debbie Stevens begging for help. She was on the phone with 911 for about 24 minutes. She tells the dispatcher water is filling up her car. You're not going to die. I don't know why you're freaking out. It's okay. I know the water level is high. I understand that. But you freaking out doing nothing but losing your oxygen up in there. So calm down. When are they going to be here? As soon as they get there. Police and firefighters arrived about 12 minutes after the initial call. But it took rescue crews more than an hour to reach Stevens. This police body camera video shows just how flooded the area was. I completely understand the uh, disgust and the concern uh, that we all have. I understand that listening to a, a person going through the panic that Miss Stevens was in those final moments of her life, we would all hope that we would get uh, a little bit better response than perhaps what she was given.
I don't want us interacting with anybody in that way, whether it's a life and death situation or not. The interim police chief says that dispatcher turned in her two weeks notice and this call came in on her last shift. The interim chief says he doesn't know why the Stevens 911 call was not given top priority. I don't think the dispatcher realized or understood um, the severity of the situation. The interim chief says right now they're investigating to see if police policies were followed and how they can be improved. He says, regardless, the dispatcher most likely would not have been fired. I can absolutely no criminal. Um, we've looked at that and there's, she, she did nothing criminally wrong. I'm not even going to go so far as to she violated policy. So yeah, as you can hear from that, from that clip, this woman, this, this lady just literally gave zero fucks. It was her last shift. She had put in her two weeks and she just wanted to go home basically and couldn't care less about what was happening at work. However, she's a 911 dispatcher. So you kind of need to be able to show sympathy and show compassion and whatnot. But since she didn't break any protocol, you know, there's nothing to really do about it anyway because she did notify the first responders and sent them out there it's just they couldn't find the woman in the flood so it was them being able to easily locate her was the ultimate demise of the woman however to be taunted and scolded in your final minutes while you're trying to have help while you're trying to reach out for any type of help and compassion it was just such an asshole move. I hope this lady rots, you know. It just makes absolutely no sense to be that evil to someone. And to tell her that, you know, you're not going to drown. Calm down. You're doing too much. I can't hear you. Wait a minute. And the article, it's way more horrific of the transcript of all of the things she said to this woman or how she replied to this woman being scared being scared for her life literally all right so this last article is a maryland regent baltimore lawyer dies of a cancer in the middle of her medical malpractice trial katrina dennis was a week into what was expected to be a two-week civil trial in baltimore county sick circuit court but dennis was hospitalized and unable to attend she was seeking about $24 million in damages. Dennis was 36 in 2015 when she is diagnosed with the earliest form of breast cancer, in which abnormal cells are found in milk ducts. This makes up about 20% of new breast cancers. It is normally curable with surgery, but Dennis alleged that her doctor was negligent in her care. The lawsuit alleged that the doctor led her to believe that her cancer would not recur after surgery and didn't press a drug that might have staved off regrowth and spread of the cancer. Lawyers for the doctor argued that he provided the standard of care, informing her of her options and testing her blood and lymph nodes to ensure that the cancer had not spread. In 2017, Dennis went to an urgent care center with back pains which a nearby emergency room later determined was advanced cancer. Before she died, the cancer had spread to her blood, bones, and organs. This is just really terrible. Of course, it's a black woman, 36 years old. She was a lawyer, well-esteemed in her community, and, you know, had the means to 
received this treatment but didn't have a doctor who would provide such treatment and resources and knowledge to get her through it and it's really sad it's really sickening that this is still happening and it is another reason why i'm such a strong proponent of black women doctors only like you cannot touch my body you cannot give me medical advice if you're not a black woman i need for you to know my struggles i need for you to be able to identify with them i need for me to remind you of your daughters your cousins your nieces your everything i need you to have compassion when you treat me and when you recommend certain treatments to me i can't have a male doctor especially not a white male doctor in charge of my being and you know not to say that there might be any malintent or there's always going to be malintent but that's just the furthest of my demographic and you don't experience what i experience you don't have the same issues or really know firsthand what it's like so i'd rather just go straight to a black woman and get all of that taken care of so sorry i don't have any good news to end this episode off with this is a really heavy topic i've actually been kind of pushing it down in the queue because of that but you know i had to get it out of here one of these days so here it is and um hope you guys take in this information and really make sure that you can find ways in your community to combat this or make sure that this doesn't happen to you and make sure that you know these policies and apply them to your lifestyle so with us coming up on the last couple of months, um, I'm probably going to be giving three episodes a month instead of four, but I will have some exciting news coming up before the year is out. So stay tuned for that. So that's all folks. Per usual, stay hood and stay healthy. Bye. <laughs>